Welcome to Let's Talk About Gay Stuff. Woo! Let's talk about gay yeah. stuff. Let's talk about gay, gay stuff. stuff. We're going to do that one day. All right. We're the podcast where we talk about gay stuff and discuss the week in LGBT history. Woohoo! Woo! We are Tony. No, you're Tony. <laughs> oh my Thomas. God. I don't even know my own name. Thomas. Thomas get old. We are Thomas. This whole time I thought you Tony. Oh, Kendall. <laughs> oh, hey. yeah, speaking of, all right. Uh, this we're week, in New And we haven't even been drinking we're yet. We're reviewing the week of October 13th through October 20th, and we'll discuss Brokeback Mountain, Divine, and the National March on Washington for Gay and Lesbian Gay Rights. All right. So, lesbian and gay rights. I got that. All right. Um, just a quick plug. November 5th is Election Day in, uh, across many Oh, so you're into those quick plugs. Okay. Um, okay. All right. And uh, make sure you vote. Um, registration deadline has already passed in most places, but make sure you go vote on November the 5th. All right. I had to do that. I mean, I want to make sure I agree. I agree. Go vote. Uh, All right. Because well. voting matters, right? I mean, we're looking at, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about I do have it. Well, Trump, go ahead. But, no, I'm, but I'm just Trump. like, there's Not I New mean, Orleans. Melt, meltdown. It's insane what's going on with that guy, but uh, by the day. But, anyways. Um, that's all I got to say. Well, right I now. do have it two seconds. So, like, I do this run club on Wednesdays at a brewery, and there's, like, all these straight people. Wait, and do you run or you just booze? I've been running the last couple weeks. He just goes to Now the that run my hernia is finally fu- He just know? stretches. Okay. So, there's all these uh, libertarians that are like, ah, you know, people say my vote doesn't matter, but, you know, my vote showed that I'm like, okay, well, like it or not, we have a two-party system. Libertarian just splits the vote. Whatever. whatever. <laughs> You're saying. Who well, we're right? in New Orleans right now, so there's one party. All right. Okay. That's in the ho- hotel room. Get behind. You know that you're right. There is something about New Orleans that is unifying, at least on the the street of Bourbon, uh, where you can be um, uh, gay, straight, no one cares. Um, and, Anything. And then uh, it, everything goes. I what's, cut my teeth in New Orleans. What's, what's, and my wrist. What's, and my <laughs> what's the saying? Did you pop your cherry? <laughs> Lizzie okay. Levanto, Lizzie Levanto, really. Yeah, let the good times roll. Yeah, so that's what we do. Let the good times so, yeah. roll. Uh, we did the Facebook Live, uh, noting our our hotel near Bourbon Street. We are recording live in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. The you, smell of carcasses and Street. urine is yep. wafting in the air, you just like <laughs> New Orleans. What, what sort of damage are you going to do this weekend? Spending the weekend in New Orleans. This is, um, yeah, it'll be fun. I love coming here. Well, it's tell why we're here. Why are we here? To record you a old man, it's your 40th birthday. Oh, yeah, I turned 40. Wow. You forgot. You've already forgotten it's your birthday and your name. You called yourself <laughs> Tony earlier. <laughs> Wait, uh, thank God it. I'm not the only one getting Alzheimer's. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. That's why earlier you were like, oh, I, I, like, did I say that? I have no idea what I say most times. Well, you know why you forgot it's your birthday? Why? Because you are forever knowing as this is the month. That I formally got engaged. Yeah, this is the month. So <laughs> from now on, this is my engagement month. That's the, the classic. And nothing Wait, I else. Thought, I thought you got engaged in September. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, he's taking over. It used to be when we dated, it was his birthday month and nothing else. And now it's the month that he announced he was getting engaged. Not okay. even, to your point, Tony, it wasn't even the month he actually got engaged. It was the month he announced publicly that he got engaged. <laughs> and nothing else and matters that's what it's in October. <laughs> nothing else. Uh. We went to dinner for Thomas. We should just go get married right now. Today will be our wedding day. Aww. Nothing else. You're, try- you're trying to beat my... Oh, what? my God. I will always beat you. You will not beat my engagement. <laughs> yeah. Forever. And you and will no longer beat my meat. <laughs> no, that's... Wait, when was your actual we birthday? We doing that like 10, ten, ten Year days, one, ten 11 years ago. Oh, my years God, ago. it was? Why did I think it was next week? I don't know. 
Because you weren't paying attention. Oh, my God. Happy belated birthday. Thank I'm so you. sorry. God, Thomas, I'm so sorry. All good. All good. Have y'all met? Hi. <laughs> Chris came in and he didn't even say anything. So, you know, from our spoopy podcast, he came in and recorded. He was like, um, was it He didn't want to pretend. And then, yeah, the same thing. No, he but didn't it, want to have to pretend like birthday. he cared. You at least said happy birthday. My God, I feel so, so bad that I missed no, it. No, no, well, I didn't care about. What I wished you a mediocre birthday. birthday. And it's, it came it's true. Less that, but it's like he realized it was my birthday the day before, and he's like, "Oh, I forgot," and that was it. I was like, "No, no happy <laughs> related, no nothing." No, I'm just kidding. I don't care. Um, if I would have I've never been that person. To be like, it's my birthday, except when I turned thirty. I did turn when I turned thirty. I made a big deal out of that. We went to Las Vegas. I can't believe you made a playlist ago. on CDs and handed them made, out to everybody. I made a gift bag. awesome swag bag. Which bags. was nice. I, I remember had, you talk, talking about made this, CDs yeah. of the top thirty songs over the last thirty years. From so that whatever Billboard had as the number one song that year, yeah. I made a CD of that. I had liquor bottles, which I thought was a good idea, but until the liquor bottles were free at the hotel, we had a cabana. We had an agenda. I made a nice card of like here's what we'll be here's the theme night uh, i had early days probably a year ago i was like oh i want to do something mr New corporate Orleans. hr yeah person. I he thought, peaked at 30 <laughs> i thought i wanted to do the same thing 40 like 40 came up and i was like oh shit like i we booked the hotel late it was one of those things that was just oh like, thank god uh i didn't a lot of <laughs> some people were asking some Woo! folks that were going to come uh, they were like oh what's the agenda i'm like i don't have an agenda we're going to record a podcast uh we like were, we're going to walk around on bourbon street and get yeah. drunk we had uh, originally planned to do a quiz show at our friends, uh, but he's got uh, well, how would we? What's the name of the restaurant? Faubourg Bistro. Bistro, which is uh, in here New Orleans. In New Orleans, in the French Quarter, uh, it's a kitchen in the Seven Hundred Club. Uh, we couldn't make it work out, but nonetheless, like if you're in New Orleans, check be it sure out. To stop there. Because they have some yummy Get the mac and, mac bites, and cheese boo-boo. bites. They have some uh, yummy uh, Dang, pie, uh, cheese fries, like um, uh, shredded pork cheese fries. It's good stuff. They're not so, our sponsor. No, but it's a good friend of ours, Maddie. And uh, let's give him a plug. Love that. Love plug that it. There. Just a quick plug. But I saw his picture on Facebook. I'd like to. Speaking <laughs> of, speaking of plugging, are you going to go to Rawhide Tony and plug it there? Already been there. Oh, you're no, I'm kidding. <laughs> to our listeners, Rawhide is a sex club. We actually got started later because Tony was late, but no, I'm no. kidding. Just it a quick a, plug. Just at Rawhide. I do want to swing by there and check it out. You know, oh, see what's going on. Rawhide. Sling I, by, I told you what happened the first time there. I went there. Yeah. Yeah. Where I almost killed my. I was like, if I would have gotten arrested, I'd have fucking killed you. <laughs> but Rawhide's not like a. It's not like a sex club. It's a, it's a bar, but there is scandal. There's a section where stuff goes on. You can yeah. get clubbed. Yeah. But I'm excited. I love New Orleans. I so I will say this about New Orleans. Like, and uh, kudos to Kendall because when I I went to New, I came to New Orleans for the first time. I just turned 21 or a little after 21. I was celebrating New Year's 2000. Did you have a playlist then? No, I didn't. No, well, we had we had a good time. Mixtape. I actually made out with a girl that um and we <laughs> felt her up. But anyways, you were an ally. I was an ally then. Uh, but anyways, I um. We came and I was like, this place is cool, but it was just like, it was New Year's Eve, so it was just, every, the streets smelled like piss, and they still do, I guess, but like, all I looked at was the rundown architecture and didn't really appreciate it. I was like, no The corpses shit. and oh, the streets. How could you not? And then oh. I came back with Kendall and he was like, oh no, you got it. And he explained everything in a different way. And he was like, oh, you know, the piss smell is part of the charm of New Orleans and the dilapidated buildings, that's part of it. And then I looked at it differently, and I've loved Ed, it. I kind of agree. It's called Edumacated. I'm Edumacated now. I love the city. And I, I remember when I lived here, one here. of my friends said, you always kind of have a soft spot in your heart mm-hmm. for the city where you live when you first move out of the house. Or your first city where you're out of your hometown. This is a good place. Yeah, and this was my first city. And I will always have a soft spot in my yeah. heart. For no, my so place. I moved here. Well, 
to Kenner, which is a suburb, when I was four, and moved away when I was ten, but moved back as an adult when I was nineteen. Yeah, and it just for people that can appreciate New Orleans, it gets in your bones, yes. in your DNA, hundred percent, and like you will always miss it. Yeah, yeah, it sticks with you, there's and the smell you can't ever get out of your clothes. There's a certain charm about throw it. those away because I uh, I didn't I I mean I, I tried explaining that to Spencer when we first came here. I thought he was going to be scared because live in midtown houston and he saw homeless people for the first time and he like panicked he called uh, the cops yeah. he panicked so much like he was so uncomfortable that he o- tried to overcompensate that he he wrote him a he, check he, he he gave a handshake to a homeless guy as we were sitting out, outside by the one of the places why then, how did that his face though like he thought he was doing like he was, felt good about it well he was nervous about it but he was trying to show me i think like oh I, i'm cool with this he was trying and to then, <laughs> he was as, trying to impress the homeless man as soon as you saw him like touched like realize what he was doing he was touching a homeless like he was shaking hands i think he was like oh my gosh germs anyways not that Listen, not okay not that yeah but i've been flashed yeah. not that spencer was Thank you. He does not like homeless people it's just like it was not in his world so anyways when we came to new orleans he's I was like, he's gonna be he's gonna be like overwhelmed but he homelophobic. he homelophobic he appreciated it he loved it he was like oh this is great he he actually liked that again the charm of the city in the sense that well that's because he likes a little stink on it hey that's why he dates me wait so I smell like old man my now. question is when we're like super big with this podcast and we can live anywhere because people are coming to us are we gonna live here i, I think i don't know <laughs> no you wouldn't i'd have a home here it's too hot. Uh, a, a, like Houston, a, a win, a home. it gets very. Um, it's an exhausting city. Yeah. I'm like I'm ready to go. You're like somewhere down. central. Well, I'm ready to like, go home. We, know, just we, got here. we we got our friends Melissa and BJ here, and BJ was like, "This needs to be our meetup place." More than once a year. Last time we were here with them was like two years ago, and they were like, "This needs to be our meetup place." So he's like, "Not just once a year, but once every you know a couple of months." So maybe that we'll, maybe that's what we'll do. We'll have a condo or like in, in time an annual retreat. Yes, semi annual like retreat. Like retreat. An annual retreat. An annual retreat. All right. I mean. I'm talking fast because I'm like I mean I love this podcast but I I'm like like a little kid waiting for you're like drooling to get on Bourbon I'm like, Street I haven't been on Bourbon man. Street yet I want a daiquiri I want cheese fries I, want I actually it haven't been on Bourbon Street yet. <laughs> again because you're at Rawhide <laughs> all right so uh, let's get started <laughs> just kidding all right let's get the started other, the classy gay bar before we get started though hey did you know the unemployment rate is below four percent it actually was announced this week it isn't it like a seventy year low three point five percent in the U S so if you're trying to hire someone, thank you, President Trump. Yeah, I might be voting. Well, that's why we're here. We're here for the the Mike Mike Pence is in town, so uh, that's why we're really in town to go yeah, cheer. And on he's Mike. been blowing up my grinder all afternoon. Thank you. <laughs> he and his staffers like that's, you saw him at Rawhide. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt we see him at Rawhide. There you go. We'll Anyways. see him. <laughs> Poor economy works. If you're trying to hire someone like Tony is tonight, then you probably already know that because you are having trouble finding. You, wait, let's try that again. If you're if you're trying to hire someone, then you probably already know that the unemployment rate is impacting your ability to hire in terms of trying to find quality candidates. Economy Works is here to help. Don't have time, energy, or the resources to hire? Economy Works is ready to help you write job descriptions, find candidates, review resumes, and phone screen candidates. Let the Economy Works Talent Network help you do more with less. Economy Works. When we work, the economy works. Find out more at, at economyworks.com. The cool thing, just a quick plug on Economy Works on a personal day. I have my mom doing a project with Economy That's Works. That's awesome. Yeah, she's helping do a recruiting search, so it's really cool. So never, never in my wildest dreams that I think I would get to work with my mom on a professional level, and so she and I are getting to do that. So that's, that's awesome. So Economy Works, woo! All right, who's going first? Oh, you can <coughs> see, you can hear all the charm of New Orleans, the sounds in the background. Yes. We said I was going first, huh? 
All right. So what am I talking about? I am talking about, uh, speaking of my birthday, 1979. The year is 19, 19, 1979. What's going on in the year? Picture it, as Sophia would say. Picture it. The Golden Girls. Picture US, it. US, 1979. Any thoughts? What's, besides me and Tony being born this year, 40 years ago. Especially since you just mentioned your topic two minutes ago. Yeah. Ugh, well, I can't remember. <laughs> it's like, oh. Uh, well, there was lots going on. So 1979, if you think about what was going on from an LGBT standpoint, it was still illegal to be gay, right? You still had these, not only did you have the sodomy laws that were still in place, like there were laws that were saying if you were gay or uh, were a cross-dresser, right, you could yeah. be arrested. Uh, so, which is crazy. So a transgender person could be the way. For being they, they, The way they couldn't live them true selves. <sighs> and a gay person would go to jail for having sex with their for sex yeah or they would go for sex or they would go for what that's the only way you could get it legally i guess but anyway that that's that's kind of what was going on uh you had anita bryant you guys know anita bryant Mm -hmm. yes stay tuned for that topic yeah Mm -hmm. pie in the face anita bryant uh spewing off all sorts of crazy stuff spencer saw a video of her getting a pie in the face he was loving it. But she we'll was cover ad- that in the future. Yeah. She was advocating for all sorts of anti-LGBT legislation. Uh, 79 is a year after Harvey Milk uh, was assassinated. And then you were 10 years away from, from the Stonewall riots that happened back in 1969. So all these things are happening in LGBT culture. Uh, the LGBT community has been active in supporting the other uh, civil rights movements. So uh, they were helping uh, Martin Luther King and company in terms of the, the March on Washington. They did. Well, I mean, not in 79, but prior. I mean, they're still advocating you for, done been for dead. Uh, minorities' rights. They're, they're supporting women in their, right, you know, in, in their, their quest for equality. Um, and all these sorts of things are like inspiring or starting to, to make a movement. And while Harvey Milk, when he was still alive, and we talked this, about this before, he was really advocating for people to be visibly out, so much so that he outed, right? Oliver um, Sippel, yeah. Oliver Sippel. Uh, because he's like, this, the purpose of just organizing is, is, is not yeah. good unless you're actively visible. Like, you can organize all you want, but if people don't see how you're living, how, the, how, how being LGBT, you're just normal, and, and how their lives are impacted impacting uh, uh, people and and the, the the laws that are against LGBT people are, are harming the LGBT people. He was like, you've got to be visible. And so he was saying, if you're going to organize, that's one thing. But let's he was really starting to coalesce around this idea of let's take that inspiration that MLK had with that big march in Washington, D.C. And let's do something similar. Let's bring mm. you know, LGBT people from across the United States together and really show the world, the, not just the country, but the world, the power that this community really yeah. has. As diverse as we are, we have strength in that diversity. And so what you after Harvey Milk Pat was, was assassinated, you had uh, two people, Steve Alt and Joyce Hunter, who were from New York City, activists in New York City, really start to push this idea into reality. So what, what happened um, in 1979, October uh, 14, 1979, you had this National March on Washington for gay and lesbian rights. And uh, they, they started out with some objectives. They had uh, four objectives. Uh, one was to repeal all anti, uh, anti-lesbian anti and gay, uh, gay rules out there, or gay legislation out there, pass a comprehensive lesbian, gay, lesbian and gay rights bill in Congress, issue a, have President Carter at the time issue a president, uh, presidential executive order banning discrimination based on sexual orientation in the federal government, uh, so this way military folks could be out. 
and then also that uh, any uh, contractors that were working with the government that they could they could be gay as they were working. They also had an objective of ending ending discrimination in lesbian mother and gay father custody cup cases. So uh, when uh, LGBT people were divorcing their their opposite sex partner, oftentimes in the, in those divorce cases, the children the custody would go to the straight parent, and so the the LGBT people would lose kind of their their rights to their. Oof, uh, the gays to, really dodged a bullet having to take those kids in. Right, <laughs> just as you were talking about uh, naming your child, your husband's <gasps> child. Oh, I want to have a kid just to have name them their middle name Tiger. Tiger. <laughs> You're such a hippie. Uh, <laughs> muskrat? And they also... Or muskrat. One of their other objectives was to protect lesbian and gay youth from any laws which are used to discriminate against, oppress, or harass them in their homes, schools, jobs, and social environments. So not only they were, were they uh, trying to take active legislation off the books, but they were trying to combat the Anita Bryants of the world who were like trying to yeah. not just you know leverage the current uh, laws that were in place to, to discriminate against LGBT, but they were saying we can't do any more and we really got to protect children so that they have a, a safe environment. Um, this is really, you know, as this came together, it was really, again, a testament in terms of how the LGBT community was starting to uh, gain its identity and say, hey, we're, we're more than just just people. We, we are a uh, we are a political force that needs to be recognized. And so on on October the 14th, which was a Sunday, they came together and, and they marched in Washington, D.C. Uh, and the nice thing of what, what came to, to, I think, what folks were realizing is that, you know, the, the thing about the LGBT community was it included all races. Uh, mm-hmm. So it wasn't just uh, a black or Hispanic thing. Or it included all genders, right? It wasn't just gays or uh, gays, yeah. but it was like, you know, gender. There was lots of women rights, but this... Uh, this aspect, of this this march, this movement really included men and women and put them on equal playing field. Uh, it also brought into the forefront or uh, disabled folks, and so they were kind of co- they were part of this movement as well. Uh, and and be it people, regardless of where they were on the economic spectrum, they all joined together. Right. Oh, nice, so there was yeah. a lot of parity in terms of uh, you know some of the things that normally uh, distance people. Uh, because again of the economic situation or or their gender or race and it really brought everyone together around this one cause and so uh, again on on this Sunday they started their their march uh, on 4th Street near the near the Capitol uh, in, uh, on Independence and Constitution Avenue they moved up Pennsylvania Avenue they moved they marched around the White House and then ended near the reflection pool near the Washington Monument so but the d- to be on to clarify the disabled people probably weren't marching that we're joining in there no no okay they were marching rolling for justice okay no no, no. you can't no. Well, those proud marys kept rolling <laughs> what else you got Mm-mm. no but uh, no but when if i d- ever do have a um wheelchair i want a bumper sticker that says hot wheels hot. <laughs> no. or hell on wheels that's w- what it was one of the hell things they were wheels. talking about in terms of disabled folks they were talking about deaf people who were, you know were signing i love you as they were marching so they so that was really powerful and, and unique testament of of you know, people from across the community yeah um they ended like i said the near the reflection pool so right, i guess right around where the world war ii museum if you're if you've been to dc probably right around there and they ended and had a rally around four o'clock 
Um, now, the estimates in terms of how many people showed up vary. Originally, the uh, the the officials who who keep track of this, so um, the DC, I think, police or whoever, the ones that counted the people at Trump's inauguration, right, right, those folks. Well, they originally said it was seventy-five thousand people that showed up, and then they revised that to say, oh, it was more like between twenty and fifty. The organizers say there were hundred thousand people, hundred thousand people that attended the. Uh, there are two hundred really big people. They're just really. Not the so gays. it skewed the results. And so, yes, so you had a ton of people out there, um, and you had tears of joy. You had pe- What's Ben doing? Lift it all the way up. Filling a Mission Impossible. He's talking Sorry. about my skirt. Ben's coming in <laughs> the room, and he's squeezing Climbing through the window, drunk on Bourbon Street. Versus just opening the door. Ben, my fiance. Ben is like <laughs> wasted all the time. It's okay. crazy. We're so drunk. No. <laughs> um... Yeah, so there were there was tears of joy. It was the first time you brought. I mean, there were uh, local marches in, in across the U.S., but there had never been this many LGBT folks that came together, and uh, it was a, a time that really kind of solidified the, the the community as, like I said, a, a viable um, uh, voting block that that a political force that that really needs to be dealt with, or not dealt with, but really heard. Heard, yeah. Um, of course, brought there was to heal. There was some controversy, uh, speaking of brought to heel, uh, there, there was a coalition of ministers that was holding a similar uh, uh, event uh, yeah. led, led by Catholic. Jerry Falwell, and they had a national day of prayer on homosexuality. At the same time, like near right, the, yeah, the same, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, that really worked, didn't it? You know, Capitol Hill. Well, I mean, speaking of did it work, like, you know, you, you talk about the objectives that were, you know, why they had this. I mean, was this event a success? I mean, they didn't actually achieve any of those objectives. I mean, we really yeah. are still not until 2015. Right. Um, we'll we'll go back to 2009, I guess 2011 rather, when "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" was finally re- repealed and people could serve and we openly. Could, we started yeah. telling uh, everyone we know. <laughs> they could serve openly in the military, so it took but a long time for that. And we didn't have marriage equality until 2015. But so even though like it um, maybe didn't have any direct consequences, you know. If it was that big of a march, you never know if there were some people that thought, wow, okay, if they're marching on Washington, should I think about this? You you never know how, like, what impact it has. So even though it's not like, oh, because they did this, a law changed, but I feel if it's not for all of these little things, maybe we wouldn't be where we are today. Right, which I, I, that is the point of the organizers. I mean, they're saying, yeah, yeah we didn't have any of that accomplished, but we brought 100,000 people together. And as Harvey Milk was noting, they were visibly out, right? There was, yeah, a, yeah. And so it, it was a signal to... And it shows, like, sheer numbers, and, you know, like, I'm sure it was televised, and when you see, like, all races, you know, people with disabilities, yeah. people of various economic classes... Can you imagine like if there were a grinder during that march? Well, oh so to bleep, that bleep, point... Bleep. I, I, two feet, three feet, four feet. And I, and I, and I mentioned feet. this to... I, I mentioned this to Spencer when Negative I, when I was... Negative six inches. When I was doing research. So maybe a bit controversial, but you guys yeah. tell me. So 79, this is October 79 that right. happens. And then, like, what, a year later, 1980, 1981, start to have the AIDS crisis. I was just wondering, like, was the first time I thought, was that, like, ground zero for how this... You never like, know. I, I don't know, but, I mean, just to that point, I was like, well, there was a lot of... No, 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 that was not... Oh, you mean how it propagated? Yeah. Because the first... Oh, we should do this as a topic. The first verified AIDS case was like a black guy in the early 60s I think but it's not reported we we act like so why did it take so long to spread 
One thing I wonder too, like, you know, because now you hear like, well, some people, they get HIV and they have it for like 10 years before they have like symptoms or whatever. And it's like, so was it really propagated like in the late 60s, early 70s, but nobody really started having symptoms until the 80s and then it was like. Well, what if the original guy wasn't having sex? What if he died too soon? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but I was yeah. just like, it was a. And I to don't be know, continued, I don't we'll talk about that. Anything yeah. controversial? Like, I'm not trying to, but I was just, like, you know, there was Leave a lot of me. sex happening, right? Oh, I mean, of course. You, you, I That's remember, not controversial. I remember living in DC, like the That's RNC a celebration. Uh, the, it wasn't the like, RNC. I remember living in DC 30 years later. Shit. No, no, but like, uh, was it was always the, the joke. march in 2009. No, no, not. Well, I'll get to that. But like in DC, would they have the the PAC? Was the Christian Coalition? What is that? The CPAC. Um, mm. There's always the running joke in, in DC. It was like, oh, you know, and at the time it was before Grinder was big. Craigslist, all the ad, there were a ton of ads with like all these participants just trying to find, you know, love, yeah, yeah. just trying to find true just love. Just trying to love. They were trying to get some D. Uh, but anyways, that I, I, like I said, I was just a thought that popped on my head because you had hundred thousand gays that were coming together. Gays yeah, so you're homophobic. No, no, no. But I don't like. I was just like a anti-gay. Huh, like, how did that spread so quickly? But anyways. Um, to your point, Tony, the organizers would define the event as a success because they had so many people again <laughs> that were visibly. Out. Why did you direct that to Tony only? Well, because no, because yeah, that's what he said. He was oh, like, I thought but I, I do. So I mean, we talked about like Paul Broussard's, you know, the march in Houston or the protest in Houston when Paul Broussard was murdered, and you know, a lot of people. So for the the national march, that may have been the first time a lot of people felt comfortably being publicly in a protest because we talked about some people were like very closeted. And when Paul Broussard was murdered, they're like, I don't care. I'm not going to lose my life. walking to my car from a bar. Right. I don't care if I lose my job or my family finds out. Boom. Well, and that's what they were that really the organizers were saying. And but I don't and think people, people that, society and, was ready to and, care that much. But the, the people that were there, they found strength in each other. They said, oh, wow. And they were, I was reading one um, uh, quote. They're saying, like, people from Montana had never seen that many gay people in yeah. their life, right? And so and they used Montana as an example. It's like, oh, Tony. But uh, it was just one of those things that, like, so you saw people that were yeah. like you. And one of the women who was speaking, she was like, when I, 30 years ago, prior to 79, she was like, I thought I was the only, uh, I was the only gay person that ever was, existed. And she's like, now you're at this march and you see all these people that are like you. So it's just like. Yeah, because I would say, I mean, you said, well, was society really ready for like the change or whatever? To care about Paul Bursa's yeah. murder? I think the gays cared. But the thing is, that's a big thing about. You know, growing up like in a remote area, we talked about this with the It Gets Better, sometimes just knowing that other people went through this is a big relief. And so even though maybe it didn't change society or society wasn't ready, it's like if a Joe Schmo shows up to the rally and they're like, oh, my God, there's other people like me. Thank God I'm not alone. Yeah, it wasn't. I I think, too, it was a building point for the LGBT community, not so much for the allies. While allies were at the march, it was really about gay people looking at other gay people that 100,000 people saying, oh, there's other people like me. And it wasn't only in every aspect of life. Yeah, yeah. it was for the people that weren't there as well saying, wow, there are 100,000 people that went to this. From fifty, from all fifty states, the way they did the march, it was interesting. They 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 had the pe- disabled people go first, but then after that, uh, they had the people who came the furthest, and so you had people from Hawaii and Alaska, oh, okay, all yeah. fifty states, and that's how the the march proceeded. So, but yeah, it, so they say it was a success because they they not only showed that that many people could uh, show up and that there were that many gay people, but they again it was this political force to say we are coming together, we are organizing, and yep. we have common interests. We may be diverse. 
We may be rich and poor, black or white, male and female, but we've got and if voice. nothing else, it shows sheer number. Right. Yeah. Right. And so they, they said it's a success. Uh, they had subsequent marches. They had one in 1987. I mean, I, just to you think about what's happened from 79 to 87, you had the AIDS crisis. You had, but that, that 79 march just demonstrated a lot of visibility because when they had it in 87, you had the AIDS crisis. So the AIDS quilt came out. That was, that's when that debuted. Uh, but you also had uh, people, like prominent people, showing up to to speak at the event. So you had politicians. Barney Frank was out by the, by that point, so he was there. Yep. You had civil rights leaders. Eighty seven. Uh, you had Jesse Jackson, who was uh, who was there. Uh, Jesse Jackson was running for president in 1988. Uh, labor leaders uh, Cesar Chavez was there. So all these folks were at the 87 event. Um, and then they had another Wait, one. So it happened every year until. No, no, no. They oh. had one in 87. Then they had another the same one. Same time frame. Uh, well, in October 1987, they had it. And then in 1993, they had one. They believe the organizers say there were a million people that showed up. Uh, in know, the 93 yeah, one. In the 1993 okay. one. That one was in. But April. that was a million in 1987 dollars. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, they had another. It was uh, worth a lot more. Another march that they called the Millennium March in 2000. Uh, in 2009, Kendall, you remember this one? Uh, they had the Equality March. Yeah, mm, I was there. I was there on TV. Yeah, you were yeah. on TV there. Yeah, my big head was on the uh, Daily Show. Sean Stewart, The Daily Show. Yeah. It wasn't like with they Lady did Gaga, a pan over, but you could see him. He was like, "That was me." I was shining so, in the audience. Lady, I mean, it was a big deal. Lady Gaga was there. Yeah, uh, and then they had another. I put march. it on my resume. I remember the 2009 one. A lot of my friends from Houston went. Yeah, yeah. Barney Frank. Barney Frank spoke. I wouldn't say out against that, but at the time he was like. Have all the marches you want. It's not going to do anything. It takes people in power and legislation doing things, getting things done. And he got a lot of backlash because it's like, no, this does help for one. And if anything, it's unifying us. It's putting our message out there. Yeah, but it was that whole like outside versus inside. Yeah, because we've had that debate before. Argument. And I feel like you need both. Yeah. Like you can't have marches both? with nobody inside politics. But if you have a bunch of people. In and the marches um, tell people in power to. Yeah, I mean, it, it just shows, like, we have numbers, this is what we want. Yeah, I agree. They had another one in 2017. But I, I think those marches are powerful. Like, I mean, I sometimes I roll my eyes. I'm like, because, again, what is a march going to do? But it shows the people that are... Why didn't again, you go to the march with me in 2009? I was out of town. I was. I met you afterwards. You for got the out and you flew out of town yeah. to a homophobe. <laughs> uh, Why did New Orleans bring out the homophobe in you? This is true. I don't know. But uh, it's a way of doing that. It was uh, it, what what the marches do. And I saw this in D.C. Like when I we went to a couple of them, we went to not to watch, uh, not to attend as a participant. But we I remember watchers. going to a Tea Party rally in 2009. Like it was just I, I, I loved living in D.C. because you got to see that all the time. Like people passionate about a cause and and really rallying behind that. The Tea Party rallies were insane. But we, there was a one that Jon Stewart had like in it was like the March. It was the anti Tea Party March, basically. Yeah. And it was the biggest um march in dc history i wouldn't say march protest gathering in history john stewart stephen colbert they came together it was such a but just being around that environment where everyone's passionate people are coming from across the globe and connecting with one another i could see how powerful that march was and obviously you've seen through subsequent marches that the lgbt community had going all the way back to 2017 that there's really something powerful about doing it i mean now the question is well why do you continue to march and there's a lot of things that the lgbt community still is fighting for for weight loss that too uh, but equality, I mean, we're still can get fired for being gay. Trans, yeah. trans, 
people are getting murdered regularly. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so there, there are still things in which we need to uh, continue to march for. So I mean, just people on Grinder are still putting no fats and no fems. This is true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just because. And I feel personally attacked by that. Nice. <laughs> just because uh, you know we have marriage equality and we can serve out and out in in the military, and you know we don't have the fear of. AIDS being an imminent death threat, like there's still things that we need to continue yeah. to rally and, and fight for. And I, I think that's, that's, that's again, I'd be interested to see kind of how March is organized in the future. I mean, not only like, uh, you know, things we officially have to fight for, but I mean, today I flew here. So, oh, she had to brag about it. Flew. No, but on my flight, like, you know, we land and everyone's like standing up waiting to get out. And this guy about four rows ahead of me, he was talking to like the two people in his seat. And he's like, yeah, those two guys up in first class. He goes, I could tell they were looking at me. He goes, I could tell him and his boyfriend were looking at me like, mm. but he goes, I was like, mm, I ain't into all that. But you give me your seat. I was, was like, is it Mike Pence? He, he arrived in town <laughs> for this. It's probably Mike Pence's staffer. But he was like, you know, like he's like, mm, I could tell him his boyfriend were looking at me. I'm like, oh, whatever. They were not. You he think, wasn't. He wasn't cute. They were. But let's him. be honest, they probably were. You think it was Mike Pence's staff? Oh, he was not cute. They were not looking at him. Are you talking about Mike Pence's staff? Like his <laughs> staff, staff infection. Oh, he probably has a staff. His rod. Oh, gross. All right. Well, that's all I got. I think it was a big. It was big event. Uh, it was again first it's time. Seventy nine. You have these folks organize our, our community organize and really start to voice that we've got things we want to say and rights that need to be protected yep. and but think also think of the pants in 1979 and how hard it would be to march in those first of all the chafing okay <sighs> and everything's thick it's very thick it around October, the thigh though. that's it's very tight around the thighs yeah but you're in october in dc you can march dick so. prints everywhere penis this was prints before, I'm sorry, uh, before <laughs> global warming became the issue that it is like it was actually felt like fall in october so their balls didn't quite have the stench and aroma no. that they would have in 2019 no, but you could probably see some good dpl okay well then how was their history if their balls didn't dpl visible penis line oh yeah so that was good well see, that learning, VPL, the reason i love this podcast i learned something new every day yeah. <laughs> you should always be looking at vpl needs VPL. its own segment <laughs> well vpl sounds divine and divine. speaking of divine yep, how's us. that for a segue i was surprised before this the show i never heard of divine i've heard of divine but i don't i don't i couldn't tell i'd you never even heard anything. of divine divine is this self-admitted because this is the look she was going for very trashy looking drag queen from baltimore oh thank you that did a lot of cult classic underground artsy films by John Waters. Have y'all heard of John Waters? Please. Oh, God. John Waters is an amazing director with a hilarious sense of humor. And starting in like 60s and 70s, we'll have to do a topic on him. Well, he's Hairspray is his biggest one. He's the guy that did Hairspray. And... And uh, he did a lot of mostly uh, cult classic, but Hairspray is his biggest one, original one with Ricky Lake. Um, and we'll get into that, Zawals, but that'll be its own topic one day. But Divine was like his muse, and he considered John Waters is like the broke down, busted trailer park version of Andy Warhol, where Andy Warhol had a lot of muses that he kind of used and abused and kind of got rid of them after that. Oh, yeah. Um, and John Very Waters much. always said he's not, like, I'm trashy. Look, my, like my thing is filth, filth all the way. And in most of his mo- movies, Divine, who we'll talk about, was there in almost every single one and became the star of his movies. 
And that was starting in the 70s. So he was born Harris Glenn Milstead, October 19th, 1945. Uh, and he was famous for being actor, singer, and drag queen. And to me, he's like the pre-RuPaul. We had a few other ones, like we've talked about Milton Berle before yep. a long time ago. And he was more like a man in a dress. Divine was like, to me, she's even ahead of her time now because she had a distinct look. Mm-hmm. Which was trash, trash, trash. It was these huge, sharp eyebrows that went went up like three inches, and this trashy, yeah, blown out wig. And they're from Baltimore, like this entire group of people's from Baltimore, which is and Baltimore used to be really rough. It's kind of like New Orleans, right? Like it reminds me rate. so much yeah. of New Orleans, like the size of the city. There's a lot of like decaying New Orleans and history. Baltimore for years had the highest murder rate. Yeah. When I was living here as a child, we were like, at least we're not Baltimore. Because they would always be, we were always number two for murder rate. And then okay, we, and we overtook were them. And we were like, maybe Baltimore would be just soon, hopefully. But it also has that kind of like artsy fringe element that New Orleans does. Um, and even the accent's kind of similar. Well, it's a crazy little accent. But he was born Harris Glenn Milstead in Baltimore to a conservative Baptist family, but he was an only child and they gave him, he was such, he admitted a spoiled brat. Like they gave him whatever he wanted. He was overweight. He dealt with, he had an eating like problem, weight problem his entire life because he was grown up. Like his parents never told him no to anything. So he was a big girl, big old drag queen. And then he became a hairdresser and that's when he started doing drag, he would use his parents' credit card to pay for these big elaborate parties <laughs> that they never even knew about. What did his parents Were do they just they rich and they didn't notice it was And they were middle class. I don't know. I couldn't figure out what his parents did. Well, how did they, they went broke paying up for everything. Bill? They didn't care. Oh, okay. He was like that spoiled. And his mom regretted it later in life. But he would throw these huge parties where he would like try out his drag and he would be Elizabeth Taylor, but he would be like a busted Andy Warhol version of Elizabeth Taylor, like a big girl version, like over the top. And he was a hairdresser, so he would like toy with his own hair and makeup. And during that time when he was experimenting, he met John Waters. um, And John Waters like fell in love with him and he became his muse. And he actually gave him the name Divine. He said, you're divine and your tagline is the most beautiful woman in the world, almost. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh God. wow have y'all heard of him now anybody i think divine I not actually divine sounds divine if you ask me so he do it he started doing john waters was a director but he would do like these call classics this is obviously before internet anything like that so he would like sell his movies to art houses and you kind of had to be in the know like artsy to oh, okay, know yeah. about these movies yeah but in the 1970, he did a film, and they had done a few, and they were kind of like... Behind the Green mm. Door? No, I'm kidding. No, that's a different one. He did a movie called Multiple Maniacs, where... It sounds like this podcast. Where uh, Divine played Lady Divine, and she had lots of controversial scenes, and this became like a, a big deal on the underground because of the things she did in the movie, and she was the breakout star. Every movie she did, she was kind of like, Divine is the breakout star, star, like really the only thing good about the movie. But she had a few controversial scenes in the movie. Like she was masturbating with the rosary while sitting inside a church. Oh. And this was kind of a... Have either of y'all done that? Yes. I mean... I'm Catholic. Not today, but... 
But this is um, – and these were mainstream movies. They weren't like – No, there were artsy under- movies oh, okay. that became very popular with people that went to see oh, okay, yeah. so kind of art indie. films at yeah. these little art houses. So she w- ba- masturbated – like, did they show her actually or it was just the image of her – it was implied. It was obviously what she was well, doing. No, I say that because in the seventies they were like they would have more porn. Like, well, she was playing a woman, so she couldn't put the rosary in her vagina. Oh, she could have. They have beads, anal so. beads, but yeah. And then in the movie, she killed her boyfriend and eats his heart. But in the movie, she ate a heart, but it was a pig's heart that had been rotten, wow, and spoiled, Ooh. and sitting on a table outside all day in Baltimore summer. Wow. That maybe is that what Gaga named her song "Monster" after? Because she kept she keeps probably saying, he, he ate my. Heart. She'll be on our. She'll he be a ate, guest ate, eventually. Ate we'll ask her. Yeah. And then Divine also in the movie get she gets raped by a giant lobster called Lobstera. And it drives her mad, and she goes she goes on a killing spree. I'm thinking, trying to like picture that. Like, how does that <laughs> how does that scene work? We have a lobster raping a woman. A man a lo- in a lobster suit. But oh, these yes. videos were so like out there because John Waters and Divine, because they were kind of like partners in this, they well, would work hand in hand together. And this was what seventies. Yes, that was the seventies. It was very so you experimental. Picture the, the quality wasn't as good as it is now. So I mean, Man in a Lobster Suit. You like know. I love that though. Like when these directors and actors come together. I was listening to an interview with Paul Fig, and he was like, "Oh, Melissa McCarthy, McCarthy is his muse," and you see. Uh, that was Scorsese and, and uh, Leo DiCaprio. Like you get some co- when they re- work together on num- yeah you know, on, on yeah. repeated basis, you get to see some good. Yeah, because I feel well, like watch Ryan Murphy. He uses a si- oh, Jessica Lange is his di- divine. Because I feel they Russian, like the politician. I have not watched They yet. develop over like you know the character and the who are producer or whatever. They develop over time, right? Like and well, so it's they not really, even yeah. it's, it's in different stories too. But you start to get the the director and the actor start to get a comfort level that they didn't have previously, and yep. so that that works really nicely together like that's where well and they don't have to explain they can just like remember that time when so-and-so movie and they'll be like yeah. they can yeah, almost yeah. speak for each other the actors get to really be yeah you get really get to know each other and you yeah kind of and, and the directors know how they can challenge the actors and up yeah in a, in a really artistic way so that's cool so in that movie he hadn't developed quite his over-the-top trashy style but then they live in John divine was? and they lived in baltimore at the time so they would go to dc to these black bowl culture events what was that Ball culture. Like, I can't it, say cause, ball it's culture. It's because Martha's around. Like I can't say ball culture. So Martha's okay. listening on the outside. But last time you had trouble with ball, it was Martha in. here, and you could not. It took you like ten tries to say. Well, I did better that time. You ball were talking culture. about ball Paris, culture. People, Paris is turning. Paris is burning, which is surprising that you can't say balls since you love to have them in your mouth so much. Mm-hmm. Well, yours turned me off from even saying <laughs> the word. That one time Thank I saw God you him had in been our ten-year marriage. None my forty. They just so his. They started going to these events in D.C. and he was like, "Oh my God, you have to do it." They were inspired. John Walters was like, "You have to go over the top." So that's when he developed his like really arched eyebrows and got a wig maker to do like these really teased out wigs. And then that's when he did one of his most famous movies called Pink Flamingos. And oh. by the way, Pink Flamingos is a Baltimore thing. Did you know that? No. You know that, right? Wait. Okay, so Baltimore considers himself like such a cheap, quirky city that like pink flamingo yawn, lawn ornaments is a thing um, to where it just became like a tacky Baltimore Oh, because Baltimore the pink flamingo thing. Lawn. Yeah, like, really? like it's considered tacky like in the front yard of a trailer or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, the movie wait, was wait, called wait. Pink Flamingos. Pink 
pink where do pink flamingos uh where do they Trop- like florida not in houston no the lawn I ornaments i really i mean i know the lawn ornaments uh, You're asking I, if we got flamingos in Houston? I thought I saw some flying the other day. That's why oh I was like. Oh, my God. Oh, I don't think naturally. No, 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 no. Definitely at the zoo, though. That's Oh, Africa. yeah, 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 yeah. Africa. But, I mean, not naturally. Anyways. Well, I, you know Those what, were can, eye can boogers. I, can I just note something? Kendall is getting really agitated that I am. We, we I'm are, trying to get on Burma Street, boo. Girl, I was trying to do the same thing, and you were like, are you talking about insulting disabled people and like i'm like well that really took up a lot of time i won't say the word disabled anymore (laughs) stop it uh so they made forever tony we're gonna be like they made pink flamingos and where water said the movie was quote an exercise in poor taste and divine played babs johnson who claimed she was quote the filthiest person alive so her whole persona was like trash 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 i feel like she took my look like she invented my look really she did yeah. Can y'all hear Bourbon Street on the yes. in the background? Love it. I hear someone being that's murdered out that's there. That's why we're recording here. We would hear the lives. I know. The, the so in the movie, his the movies were tro- so trashy that they had to pick up, in one part of the movie, they picked up a box full of cat poop, but they didn't have a cat to put the poop in the box. So Divine, the night before, pooped in the box and left it out all night. Ooh, what? So the oh other actress that picked it up, if she was actually picking so, up Divine's poop. So Divine was just like, I'm who I am, I'll leave it all oh, out Oh, she there. didn't care at all. Yeah. Fuck. Why couldn't they do, pro- like, I mean, I know. But you know how much uh, that her crap is worth now? Like, oh, you should put true. that at least frame it. Wow. I'm is it possible to frame that poop? in, like, uh, Ben's ha- y'all's new house? Not, y- not y- y'all's new, but. Well, just set up on my own. <laughs> but Can the end of the movie, the- which Divine became known for for years, is that she had to, in the script, Divine had to eat dog poop. So she said that I followed that damn dog around for three hours, just zooming in on its asshole, waiting for it to shit. Oh my god! And sure enough, the dog craps. And in the movie, she had to eat. She fresh? picks up. Yes, it's not fake. It's not like chocolate. Okay, it's I nothing. I cannot even. What? That's gross. Because and Carter will poop sometimes, and that stuff is just. Nasty. All right. It smells and gross. then so Divine picked and it up. Anyways, Divine <laughs> picked it up and ate it, and it became kind oh. of what she was known for for her entire career. Really? She said people would send her real. Dog dog crap people would send her plastic dog crap and they assumed she was into it and she would go to interviews because she eventually did interviews with like david litterman and merv griffin all the late night shows and she'd be like trust me people i don't eat crap of any kind why would she do that though i mean i get wow. like she just she did for the art right. i get like for the shia labeouf uh, shia labeouf Boof. La, Boof is something else oh, that's sorry. when you shove shia, alcohol that, that's what's gonna that's what tony's gonna do at rawhide later uh but so he did heroin uh, <laughs> I, th- I thought for tony uh, no shia labeouf like i get like he did heroin i thought i thought i read he did heroin to like play the part of a drug addict but like I, at some point like Eating dog shit? That seems a bit much to get you into think? the role. Oh, see, I disagree. You would do it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay. Gross. I'm like, you won't even show up so on this time was for the podcast, but you'll eat dog me. shit. I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> here before you are. I let you in. This is true. Um, so this was kind of like the peak of her developed, trashy, slutty look. And she's becoming more and more known. You know, like even Lady Gaga was, quote, underground for a while. Yeah. But she had that label for so long. It's kind of like, child, we all know what Lady Gaga is. But she came up in the underground culture, so people knew her as that. Yeah. Divine's becoming more mainstream. But once he ate that boo-boo, honey, 
Wow. You know, things yeah. started rolling. There's His career name. really took off, I should say. Oh, did, did it really yeah. start going off? Or? It became notorious. Oh, but in a good way? If you don't mind being known by then, you know, why don't hey. you do it and see how this podcast really takes hey, off in the world? Our next guest is known for eating shit. <laughs> so she became. But, hey, you're gay. You eat the poopoo. This don't was you? like her big mainstream <laughs> moment. And then it led to in 1988. So no, this was around 1985. She's mainstream-ish, you know, on that verge. And then in 1988, and she was like, also at the time, she's like, I'm sick of being this nasty, trashy woman. Can I have some more male rolls? Because she, male rolls. <laughs> that means something yeah. different for me. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm trying to lose weight, y'all. For my wedding. But anyway, we thought she wanted more podcast, male but. rolls. <laughs> R-O-L-E-S. Um, and she's like, I'm sick of playing the dog shit eating, you know, take a dump yeah. in the box girl that, you know, lives next door. Right. That we all have known in our lives. Um, oh, and that's when in 1988 she does. She's Hairspray. Have y'all seen Hairspray, either the new one or the old one? I the saw old, the John Travolta one. The old one. Okay, well, the John Travolta one, she's the John Travolta character. Oh, Edna Turnblad, which is the main girl. So when was that, 80s that she did that? This was 88. Okay. And this was the role, she played Ricky Lake's mom. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, my God, no, I Ricky did see Lake that. Ricky Lake originated yeah, yeah, I did see that. that yeah, role. yeah, yeah. So she She's plays the mom, yeah. and she was, once again, the breakout role, quote, unquote. And she also played the racist station owner. So she was excited because she was like, oh, I get a middle part. Oh, she part. was both. Wow, okay. Yeah. She still only got paid one salary, huh? Prob- Probably. Mm-hmm. You know how women get paid right, 75% or whatever, something. No, I don't know. I wasn't really paying. T- was that well, math? <laughs> but... So, okay, Hairspray really was John. John Waters has had a, the only reason people know John Waters' name is because he directed Hairspray, and that was like his big classic film. So after Hairspray, when he played Edna Turnblad, he was mainstream now, you know. But and wait. it was scandalous also in 88, a man playing a woman. Like, it wasn't supposed to be a but drag I thought he was He was literally playing a woman. You know, I saw that movie years ago, and I didn't remember it until you had mentioned, but I was like, God, all I remember is her. I don't remember much... Yeah, sorry, go no, ahead. Was she was good. She's got a charismatic. But it helps because she can't smell her breath. And she was really like Poo-poo. that character too. Yeah. Well, I was. I mean, I remember her being. Though I'm like, that's a man. I remember as a kid watching it, and I was like, this is odd. Like, should I be watching this? Because it just seemed very. Is she supposed to be a man? Do yeah. we? Yeah. Are we supposed to think she's but a man? When you say which she, made it even more interesting. When you say Divine was mainstream, was it mainstream like? Because uh, I would say RuPaul now is mainstream. Like people knew her. She was but like in a Truman Capote. We talked about a couple of weeks ago. Like was part of it, but was not. Didn't have a seat at the table. Especially when Hairspray came out, because Hairspray was a hit. She was written up. She was going on all these late night talk shows. She was, I would, the underground it girl kind of. You know, but, there are different mm. degrees of famous. But there's people an accessory. People that, magazine called her Miss Piggy for the blissfully depraved. Ah. Like, she was kind of known as being the raunchy, kind of like I am, you know. Sometimes I think about, like, um, people like that that are – so, for example, Dorothy on Golden Girls. Like, Oh, No, but she was – It always comes back to Golden Girls. She she ate shit, too. She was very manly and stuff like that, and they would make fun of her for being manly on the show. And I thought, God, does some of that kind of hit close to home? Because that is her persona on the show – but also her, like, in real life, like, she is very tall and manly, and she has a deep voice. 
And so it's like, does some of that comedy hit close to home? You know, and so for like her, this, yeah, you're the shit eating, but then does at some point she feel bad about herself, like, God, the shit eating, you know, whatever. Well, at the time she was going through, it's, it's you, what you hear a lot with famous people, like, your highest career moment can be your your lowest yeah, time in personal life. moment. Yeah. She hadn't talked to her parents in years and years. She moved out because they said, we're cutting you off. We're not paying for your stuff anymore. He did a whole bunch of shady so stuff. Like <laughs> they, were, they were paying for a furnished apartment, and he sold all the furnishings in the furnished apartment and then moved to San Francisco. <laughs> and there was a warrant out for his arrest because the owner – was like uh you sold all my shit <laughs> you know but because he was a spoiled brat well I and like his parents spunk. cut him out he was like didn't talk to him for his last 12 years of his life he no sent way. over 50 postcards wherever he was in the world just to say i'm okay this is where oh, i am sad, but he never yeah. gave a return address and there was actually a documentary made later about the 50 postcards that divine sent no way and there's a really good documentary i don't know where i saw it a few years ago i want to say hbo but chronicles his whole life and career and you realize how what a groundbreaker he was he reminds me of lee bowery have you ever heard of lee bowery we'll talk about that another time it's two people it's like the british version um of divine like this trashy i'm going to do outrageous things to challenge to make you challenge your own views and why are you so disgusted right now and why does it make you think you're better than me which really to me Speaking for myself, that's Divine's legacy. I'm going to eat that. I'm going to dump, take a dump in a box. I'm going to eat that dog shit. I'm going to make myself look crazy and ugly and not and wear real tight dresses, and you can see my rolls. <laughs> I feel like that's going to be Kendall's housewife tagline. I'm going to eat that shit. Oh, again. Oh. Um, until it runs out. <laughs> All right. Um. Uh, so in 19... Oh, and also, he was so big at the time in 1988 that they were making the animated version of Little Mermaid, and he was the inspiration for Ursula. Oh, wow. Get out. Yeah. That, that actually seems pretty... And if you know who Divine is, so y'all watch Divine after this, the clips and everything, Ursula is Divine. That kind of like in-your-face, big, sexy... Yeah. I mean, because let's be Wait, honest. And who's playing Ursula in this? Ursula's a big, sexy... I've Octopus only seen the animated lady. one, but I mean... Is it McCarthy that's going to play? No, I don't think they've announced oh, she, it yet. She dropped out. Okay. Yeah. So that came out. That was... Little Mermaid came out in 19... Uh, it was filmed 89. in 1988. No. No, it came out in 1989. I'm sorry. Yeah, it was 89. It was but it was being filmed when she was at her peak. And Divine was actually... You know, they're, at, they're saying, oh... She hit it big, and because she was so different, people wanting her to do little projects, she was she was in town in L.A. to film an episode of Married with Children because that's very on-brand okay, yeah. for her. Yeah, it's yeah. the White Trash yeah. show. She did the rehearsal. They did the run-through. She went back to her hotel and died in her sleep out of an enlarged heart. No oh. way. And her, in the press, in certain parts of the press, her funeral is a big deal. And Whoopi Goldberg even sent flowers to her funeral that said, this is what happens when you finally make it big. <laughs> she said, see what happens when you finally make it. You That's tr- kind of tragic yeah. and sad. So, what, what was she going to do on Married? Oh, sorry. Married she was a guest star on an oh, okay. episode. Was she sick or it was just sudden? She I mean, was overweight. It was sudden. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. like she was It was like, not like, issues. yeah, she didn't have specific symptoms. She died in her sleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Divine had a, carried a lot on her back, huh? Mm-hmm, her front. Yeah. She ate it. Did, I mean, she didn't have a broken back, but <laughs> speaking of broken back, 
Speaking of bro- broken backs. Um, and busted fronts. So I'm actually really excited to talk about my topic this week, which is Brokeback Mountain. And I, I do feel like when most people think of Brokeback Mountain, they think of the movie that was released in 2005. But it actually um, – Brokeback Mountain was originally a short story published in The New Yorker this week, August – or uh, October 13th of 1997. So it's kind of an interesting story. So the author, um, Annie Prolux – she um, she wrote this story because um, she wrote about rural America, and she wrote about um, people that had this idealistic, attainable world in their mind that <clears throat> they couldn't really achieve because of their kind of rigid life circumstances. And so she was sitting in a bar, and she noticed there was this cowboy sitting at the bar, and he was staring at all these um, men playing pool. Huh. And she just thought, wow, what would it be like to be like a gay cowboy or ranch hand in the middle of rural America? And so she wrote this short story. And her, her MO was kind of to write short stories where there were gaps so that the reader could kind of fill in the gaps with their own personal experiences. So anyway, she writes this story, very well received in the New Yorker. It's a short story. She won like awards for it, um, which is crazy. I mean, to think about that story being because I read it and I was like, I didn't read it at the time, but I was reading it as part of the podcast, and I was like, wow, like, and I was like, wow, this is somewhat like racy. Like we yeah. talked about penetration and things like that, and I, and I'm like, in 19, given what we talked about earlier with the the. LGBT movement starting Stonewall seventy nine and and then all like we didn't have rights so that that was like although yeah. the New Yorker is very liberal you know uh, yeah but it's still yeah but that's still racist and so and 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 she anytime she would write these stories she really would try she she ruminated on this for months and months to try to put her mind in the you know viewpoint of these characters. So she writes the story. It's a big hit. She gets a lot of fan press like, oh, my God, this is my life. Like, thank you for writing this, whatever. So then they, you know, somebody writes a screenplay and they make it into a movie. And she was unaware that it was a movie uh, up until it was, you know, almost like, you know, it was halfway being filmed or whatever. Wait, she wasn't part of the... the... No, she wasn't part of the screenplay. Like, somebody had taken her story. So she had written the short story for The New Yorker. A couple of years later, she wrote a book that was a collection of short stories. So she expanded it a little bit, but it was still kind of the primary premise. Um, and then somebody had like written a screenplay and they started filming and she thought, oh, wow, that's cool. So they made the movie and she did an interview with The Advocate, the, the gay magazine, and she said, awesome she said you know i feel the characters did a great job portraying you know kind of what i wanted to portray um she said i really hope this generates a lot of discussion and opens some minds things like that this was after she saw the movie right after she saw like right when it was released pretty much but was she uh even a consultant in the movie like no 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 no. she she had kind of found out yeah yeah. she was no part of them i think that's a little crazy yeah this i mean going back to like like some of the gender issues, right? I mean, how was she not like paid compensated or at yeah. least a consultant? Yeah. And so um, the thing is, and I, I'm pretty sure she's not, because I mean, everything that I was able to find in my research, she wrote the thing, 
she found out kind of like well into its production that it was being filmed, whatever. And so initially she said, great, love it. Hope it opens some minds, generates discussion, whatever. So then several years later, she admits, she goes, she regrets ever writing the short story. And her thing is because, and I kind of want to talk about this because it also like, I got a feedback from one of our listeners similar. So the movie's made, and she got a ton of fan mail that said, you know, from, quote, straight guys that said, you know, you don't really understand, men. Here's the thing. If that would have really happened, he would have, you know, cause, so for the listeners that don't know, um, you know, Brokeback Mountain is about two men that meet like they're doing a summer job in the middle of Wyoming watching some sheep. They develop a romantic relationship, but because they're in Wyoming and it's whatever time, uh, they go on, they each get married, they each have kids, but they meet up a handful of times over the years, you know, for... uh, A mouthful of times. Yes, for some fun. And and I I really think they cared about each other, loved each other. It was just a different time and place, and they couldn't really be together. Um, So all of these, quote, straight guys emailed her and said, you know... You don't really understand, men. If this really would have happened, you should. And they basically recommended a, a more realistic ending or a different ending. And they said, you know, you should have made it happily ever after, where somebody found somebody else, or you know, this guy would have like, when he lost the love of his life, he would have like hit and quit every guy in town. And it was even pornographic. Some of these endings and yeah. things like that, and. These readers even wanted praise for, like, kind of thank me for recommending a more accurate ending. And so she said, I just got so irritated and frustrated with – because her intent was I want to reflect an issue at a time and a place. And she said, I wrote the short story to reflect homophobia in rural America – so Not, interesting that she and, and, got it so much more than... And it wasn't about the character. She said, I, like, in my mind, it's kind of interesting, too, because she said, when I wrote it, the characters were secondary. The whole point of my story was homophobia, homophobia in rural America. And she, But when she saw that cowboy, she... And she wrote that story. She, she ruminated on this for months and months, and she said... I honestly just felt like passion for my my characters, like almost empathy or sympathy for my characters for years afterwards. And she had that kind of dwindled down. And when the movie was released, she said that was reignited. And I just she's just felt for them. Like, you know, I don't know what emotion, but felt for them. She was a very head of her time. Yeah. Yeah, And so it's kind of interesting. But it is a unique perspective. I mean, that's why I like I mean. Kendall never liked going to sit at a bar. Thankfully, Spencer is, is he will accommodate me. But I do like sitting at a bar because Tony, what you were talking about earlier, like sitting at a bar, you have you do some unique people watching. And I remember sitting at a bar one time, and I was at a gay bar, but I saw uh, there was a uh, the bartenders were talking to this guy across the bar, and he was a married man on a business trip, and I was just thinking like, my gosh, like this guy has he was talking about his wife and two daughters, and here he sits at a gay bar. And I started to like put myself in his shoes and just try to like, like that's such a unique experience. And like there, the fact that she was able to, I think accurately portray like what that 
love like not just yeah. from that moment but then extract this whole like love like dynamic this relationship yeah. it's really i mean it's a testament to her which is surprising yeah. that she's and to me now, it, like i don't it makes me want to read more of her stories because her, like her whole thing apparently all of her short stories take place in rural america and the premise of all of them is somebody that has this kind of this is my ideal life but here's what here's what my constraints are because you know coming from so what a couple of reasons I wanted to talk about this today were I mean this just came up right now but there are so many like women or whatever that this is my ideal life but I'm stuck in Montana and I I remember reading something about during the 2016 election where this lady she was from I think rural uh Wisconsin and she said I have two daughters I want to vote for Hillary but my husband won't let me and she couldn't won't but, let yeah but I mean that's very common in Montana like I mean women cannot tell their husband how they voted but anyways a couple one of the reasons I wanted Learned to learn to lie ladies um, they lie when they're trying they're having sex for that's for sure <laughs> you know oh you know, uh, what's what's a good uh, Montana name besides Tony Howell isn't giving her a Esteline exactly her to, her to orgasm every mm-hmm. time so you know she lies about that Esteline exactly. which is a name for men or women in <laughs> yeah. Montana yeah. <laughs> but I do remember I worked offshore at the time when this movie was released and so you know I got a lot of like ribbing because they were like Ugh, you for know. your pleasure yes I wish um, I don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but actually one of my readers, so I was texting back and forth, or one of our listeners, I was texting back and forth with my friend Rhonda. Oh, he's, uh, Tony's just spawned a, his own, he's writing a book about all this stuff, so he's got readers now. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I was texting back and forth with my the friend glasses, Rhonda, and she's like, how's glasses. the podcast? The cheaters, that's, what I, by the way, a side note, I put on cheaters the other day, I was reading something and Spencer like flipped out, because I was like, I need, like, I, I think my eyes were just tired, but I needed to put some glasses so I could read, and he was like, what's happening? And this was like, right before I was, my birthday, so he's, I, I think it went on, like, I saw him processing it, like, oh my gosh, my boyfriend's really old. He's planning his move out. Yeah. That happened to me two years ago, where I was like, struggling to look at something, and I was like, wait, what? And then I moved it far. I was like, oh. Yep. Cheaters. Yeah. All right. Your readers, um, your followers, listeners. No. So Beaters. I was, a couple weeks ago, my friend Rhonda's like, hey, how's the podcast going? And I said, man, it's awesome. And I said, one of the things I really like is. Glad to hear you listening, Rhonda. Some of my straight friends are like, wow, you know, I didn't think about it like that. Like, I didn't think about, you know, when you try to get legislation passed, the whole include or not include the trans community. Um, one of my friends is like, you know, emailing like, Hey, you know, I'm thinking about a lot of things differently because of your podcast and good, she said, bad, same, different. What do you mean? Uh, good. Good. I mean, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just from a straight person's perspective, I never thought of things like that. Like, so we made her think more deeply on fisting. Yes. Yeah, she's considering Him. it now. Um, so Rhonda said, you know, it makes me wonder how many straight people. Uh, closet or how many closeted people are listening to your podcast and I thought I don't think there's any closeted people listening I think it's like you know either straight allies gay people but then I mean listening to this story it makes me or I don't know like all of her feedback was she said the majority of my feedback was from quote straight men that let me tell you how men think and they're gonna like hit everything inside if their true love dies and to me, it thinks, makes me think, are they 
really like straight men, yeah. you know? Well, I, I mean, I say this from our social posts. Like you can see who watches your story and uh, on like on Instagram mainly. And so I see a lot of people that I'm like, oh, these folks are, are straight. Like they are. And they're, they're repeated. They're repeated uh, watchers of our story on Instagram. So I think that's interesting because I'm like, oh, are they cute? Are wow, they you're cute? calling yeah, them cute. out. Well, no, I mean, they're not. I don't think they're listening. Well, we I, I think it's easier to listen. 90% to, of to our watch listeners. on your Instagram story because you can't like it doesn't show up in your history. Like you watch the story, but it does. It does show up. And uh, so they probably are not listening because to download a podcast this is let's talk about gay stuff put that yeah. on your phone that's going to be obvious but to watch a story it's not so i, do, uh, okay, I think yeah, people yeah, are yeah. connected yeah can we give a shout out to martha doyle martha, martha. Hey. love you she's our biggest fan she, she listens to every episode she was a, uh, she beat kendall in the in the uh, quiz show episode which is our number one quiz show episode that's going to be followed up it is quickly rivaled with Tammy Wallace's quiz show. Go episode. Tammy! And Tammy wants a uh, a uh, uh, a redo with you, she because she thinks she can beat you. She does. Yeah, in the quiz show. Tammy's involved in a lot. I think we can totally do a redo. All right, she wants. Yes. She's like she wants. Oh, a rem- we should a do it. Not a redo. A redo is I wasn't looking. A rematch. A rematch. A rematch. Yes, yeah. we should do it. All right, yes. all right. I've trumped all over your trampled all over your. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. So I mean, and Kendall um, is just lost. He's uh, ready for Bourbon Street. Um. <laughs> uh, my, my whole thing was, um, was hosting. like very interesting story one. because I feel most people just think, oh, I saw the movie and that's all there is to it. Very co- not really controversial, but there's a lot behind it. And it's very interesting to me, um, especially since, you know, she regrets doing it. And a lot of her feedback is from but gay, yes. straight the, men. The regret is just because of like the she regrets she got- doing it because she got um she regrets doing it because she she regrets doing it because she got um so much feedback that was like you did it wrong and people just missed her meaning and she thought you know what i just it's kind of like an artist saying like oh somebody's saying i could do that much better than you whatever some a million people saying that she just got so irritated with she was bombarded after the movie um, wow, bamboozled like, even. I feel like that's that. I mean, that's a testament. Like, how much feedback did she get that she was like, like, I regret this now because, because it's the such thing a, is, it's, it was such a like monumental thing and yeah. Uh, I think it was history, like I they think. missed, but it wasn't big at the time. No, it was. No, oh, no, was no, huge. before the movie. No, no, oh, right, not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. So actually, so after the article was written, she got a lot of letters, but they were all. Thank you for writing this. You know, like, this is my story, things like that. Um, After the movie, you know, it goes mainstream, right? And every person in America... And it was very, like, people on the offshore rigs were, like, watching it to be like, ah, fucking... You know, and stuff. Um, You can say it. It's a podcast. We we mark it explicit. So, um, I, I feel like the reason she was irritated was everybody was like, this is um this is how it should have ended and she's like you totally miss my meaning my meaning was not about like her thing was the characters were secondary the issue was homophobia in rural america so well go ahead oh no no so she she was just like i think she was irritated with the bombardment of this is how it should have been and she's like even if she agreed with them it's like don't tell me 
like I, I think it was just the volume. But isn't that 2019 on Twitter? Like, I mean, we talked about this last week. Like, Pete Buttigieg is not gay enough, and it's just like you. I mean, we've come so far that now that's a luxury now to yeah. have the debate of if they're gay enough instead of well, are they it, too yeah. gay. You know, but I think it's interesting that straight men were. Like, well, and it, quote, quote straight, straight men, unquote. and that's why I feel like it's. Um, I don't know, closeted people. I don't know, like. So on the story storyline, what what do you think? Was that did it resonate with you guys? Like, so me, it actually resonated. You, Montana. So with me, it resonated. Did the story resonated as far as yeah. like not um, particularly. Well, like the fact that they were. I really do think they were truly in love with each other and had a connection, and they couldn't pursue it. That resonated with me because. You know, as we've talked before, Montana's like a lot of Montana's. They don't have, you know, religion isn't their basis for discrimination. It's just Not like in Texas and Louisiana, right? It's just macho, old school. And like I remember, like Gene Hackman, the guy that was like saw him in the binoculars. Like, um, it just I do feel like I resonated with the fact that like. That's reality. Like yeah. to to me, that was reality. Well, I know? think that's how I picture pictured in in pictured envision or pictured, pictured. Uh, like a, how a gay relationship would work. Like you had to do it on the down low. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like that's what. And mm-hmm. you know, like I feel like they fa- just like his wife at the very end. You know, I mean, she knew he was gay, but it's like, um, I don't know. In my whole mind, up until you know, I did come out. Like in my late twenties, it's like. That's what you face. I mean, alienation or yeah. living your true you self. You faced aliens. Right. Which yes. is what we talked about last week. Alien in our coming My connection <laughs> to uh, Brokeback Mountain was that I want to date. My boss asked me on a date. I want to date a date with my boss. Oh, Horrible wow. idea because things yeah. changed after we're, that. We're, I knew. I don't know why. I just agreed to oh it. Gosh. We had carnal homosexual relations after that. I'm sorry. That. Kendall, I got distracted. We, we have some friends and... And they are uh, simulating sexual relations on the bed that's... Oh, can I watch? Can that, I watch? Uh, Wait, that, where is this know, going on? Have the bed that has yet to be consummated. Wait, is Martha there? Can I purchase yeah, Mar- Martha was part of the threesome. Sorry, Justina, if you're listening. Anyway, that's signed. It was not a real thing. It's a sign to wrap it up, boo. Huh? Uh, well... <laughs> Let's go see the real thing you're on the one Bourbon going Street. On. <laughs> oh, Rawhide? Right. Okay, we're... Cut. We're, we're going to Rawhide. No. <laughs> we're going... We're going to Rawhide, but we we're go. only not going in the back room, so I don't want to get arrested. Yeah. We're going to. The- yeah, you, you don't have to get arrested this time. Just take off the R spoopy shirt. All Just right. molested. So, are we good? I'm, I'm good. Yeah. It was a good, good episode. I enjoyed our Kiki today. So, thank you guys. In New Orleans, we did it live. New I, Orleans edition. Uh, Martha, will you do us a favor and open that, so we can hear some. Get sounds. some air in here. No, no. Open up. She's opening up her pants. Gunshots no. and screaming. You can, you can hear some <laughs> is open. Join now. us in the episode uh, in the uh, spirits of New Orleans as Spencer's. Oh, this is like church. We were. No. So now you guys can be here. Here's some of the sounds of can New Orleans. Can they smell though? No, you can't smell it. You can just imagine. You can hear the sounds of New Orleans. We are having a good time. We are celebrating Tony turning 40, me turning 40. We've got another friend of ours that is joining us turning 40. We. Wait, who we, else is turning I'm not 40? My friend 40. Uh, Gina, who's coming, who's oh, okay, nice, okay. She's, is turning 40 soon. Although I'm sure she didn't want us to know that. We've got Brian here again. Brian Bordelon. Brian is joining us. Sleeve is here. Martha here. We got Sleeve. sleeve. We got a fun house tonight. 
So thank you guys for listening. If we was, t- if we're, it sounded like we were talking at a lightning speed. We definitely were because we're trying to get. Out I feel we covered speed. a lot, so it was a good episode. But we got yeah. covered a lot of ground. So thank you for listening to our podcast and kicking with us this week. A special thank you to the guy who keeps our sound in check. Thank Spencer. you, God. Oh, thank you to Martha for giving us drinks while we were kicking. Don't forget to Thanks, subscribe Martha. so you can hear future episodes. Visit our website at letstalkaboutgaystuff.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at talk le- at let's talk about gay stuff and on Twitter at talk gay stuff. Leave us a review too. I mean, you can find us at the clinic wh- wherever you wherever you listen to our podcast. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Uh, and if you don't want to do it in public, you want to keep it a secret, you can drop us a line at letstalkaboutgaystuff at gmail.com. It's been a little quiet on the email front, so drop us an email. Have you checked Grinder? Um, Grinder and Tony's new profile is the Let's Talk About Gay Stuff t-shirt yes. logo. So, all right. Also, give a listen to our sister podcast, Our Spoopy Podcast. That's Our Spoopy Podcast. Nobody, you don't have a mic. Boo, our Spoopy, Our Spoopy, Our Spoopy. Can hear me? I can hear myself. Our Spoopy has all of the spoopiness. It's Halloween. It's October Halloween. Spoopy Halloween month. season. Spoopy month. They are also doing some riffs off their Spoopy uh, podcast and doing talking about drag stuff. So, if you like. Drag Race, UK Drag Race, you like uh, Dragula, mm, take a listen it. to them. And so we are going to go now to Bourbon Street. Let's we're do here. it. We're here. We're queer. Get used to it. <laughs>